Praise the Father. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. We read, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Yeshua the Messiah and Yahweh the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from Yahweh our Father and the Master, Yeshua the Messiah, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our Almighty and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. So today we're going to begin to actually study Paul's letter to the Galatians. I had to hold back the horses to keep me from getting into the text before covering the background for the past three lessons. It was not easy to do, but I'm glad now that we have taken the time to study the author, the recipients, the area, and the historical context first. It's very important. Now that we've done the preliminary work, we will get into the text of Scripture and we'll cover the first five verses in the sermon today. And we're going to begin with verse 1. I'll be using most of the time in this series through Galatians, I'll be using the New American Standard Bible. That's not to say that's the only translation that I'll use, but that's going to be my predominant one because of its literal translation. We'll begin at verse 1. We'll read it again. It says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Yeshua the Messiah and Yahweh the Father, who raised him from the dead. So Paul begins by identifying himself as an apostle. He does this because there were some people in his day who did not receive his apostleship. If you remember, I talked about some people in our day that do not believe Paul is a genuine apostle. Well, those people existed back in Paul's day too. They did not believe he had acquired that office that he was not, or I should say because he was not, one of the original followers of Yeshua the Messiah. Remember, Paul was not even on the Messianic scene yet when the apostles chose one man to replace Judas Iscariot. Judas was a former member of the original 12 disciples slash apostles of Yeshua. But Judas had betrayed Yeshua for 30 pieces of silver before Yeshua was put to death. At this time, in Acts chapter 1, Judas was off the scene. He was dead. And the apostles, the remaining 11 chose a man who had known Yeshua from the beginning of his ministry and was an eyewitness of the resurrection. In Acts 1 verses 21 through 22, the Apostle Peter says this, Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Master Yeshua went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness of his resurrection. So from Acts 1, and the people in Paul's day that he was writing to would have known what took place when they replaced Judas with who? Matthias, a man named Matthias. But Peter gives some criteria that they had to choose somebody that was in the inner circle from the beginning of Yeshua's ministry, who had been with him since he was baptized, and who had also literally been an eyewitness of the resurrected Messiah. Well, see, that did not fit Paul. 
This is why Paul begins Galatians with his apostleship being genuine. He normally doesn't do this in his introduction to his epistles or his letters. He normally doesn't do this. But because there were some people that were stirring up trouble in the churches of Galatia, Paul interrupts his introduction and he says, I'm an apostle not sent from men nor through the agency of man. I want you to see these two variations of how Paul was not sent. First, he was not sent from men. Now I believe what that means is he did not come on man's authority. He did not just feel like he got a calling. A group of men did not just feel like Paul got a calling. Anyone that knew Saul knew that his former way of life had been one that hated Yeshua and hated Yeshua's followers. As a matter of fact, when Shaul the Pharisee was first chosen on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, as recorded in Acts 9, Yeshua asked him from heaven, because remember the Messiah is in heaven now, since he's been resurrected, he asked Saul of Tarsus, Shaul the Pharisee, why do you persecute me? Because Saul's made it his life's program to persecute Yeshua by how? Persecuting his followers. We might read Acts 9 and we might think, how in the world could Saul persecute the Messiah? The Messiah is in heaven. Well, the answer to that is when you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto the Messiah. And so when Saul would persecute the disciples or the followers, the Messianic believers, it was just as though he was persecuting Yeshua up in heaven. Saul was not a lover of Yeshua of Nazareth. So Paul's apostleship, Saul slash Paul, could not have been based on man's authority or man's accord. He did not just up and decide to be an apostle one day because it sounded like a good idea. This was a man who in his former life was doing the opposite of what he was now chosen to do. Remember, he was there at the end of Acts chapter 7. Shaul the Pharisee was there as Stephen, the disciple of Christ, was stoned to death. He was there. He consented to that. Well, now he totally did a 180, totally did a backflip to now being a chosen vessel of the Messiah that he once persecuted. So he says, I was not sent from men, meaning human authority or human feeling. I didn't decide this on my own. No group of men decided for me to be an apostle. I was chosen directly from heaven. Then he says, nor through the agency of man, in verse 1. Not sent from men, plural, nor through the agency of man, singular. This second clause is similar to the first, but I think it's slightly different. I think Paul means here, I was also not sent by a go-between in the middle of me and the master. And Paul was right. None of the then living apostles sent Saul of Tarsus. They stayed away from Saul of Tarsus because of his hatred towards them. None of the then living apostles like Peter persuaded Saul of Tarsus. Saul was persuaded directly from heaven. Acts chapter 9. So Paul is saying, look guys, I am an apostle. I have a heavenly calling because Yeshua directly from heaven knocked me down and showed me a vision of himself. So that's how he did see the resurrected Messiah because he was chosen to do that. He showed me a vision of himself while I was traveling on the road to Damascus to persecute him, that is, persecute the believers. I did not come based on human want to or based upon another follower of Yeshua persuading me into this thing. 
I'm an apostle through Yeshua the Messiah and Yahweh the Father. Yeshua commissioned me, and Yahweh is the one who commissioned Yeshua. That's what Paul is saying in verse 1. And Paul writes this so that they will pay attention to what he is writing. He's telling the saints in Galatia that he comes with a heavenly authority. He was an apostle, yes, born out of due season. He wasn't one of the original. He wasn't with Yeshua since the time of the baptism of John there at the Jordan River. But yet Yeshua directly chose him from heaven by his given authority that he had. Yeshua chose that Saul of Tarsus would be an apostle. Untimely born, but yes, still an apostle. He was selected directly by Yeshua, just like the original twelve disciples or apostles. What does the word apostle mean? Well, this is a good time to discuss what the word apostle means and how it is important here. Literally, the word apostle means one who is sent. It is someone who carries with them the message of a higher up, a superior, and with that message, the authority of that superior. The apostle in the spiritual office is a very high office. Brother T.J. will eventually get to it in the book of Ephesians, but Paul writes there that he gave, speaking of Messiah, he gave some apostles. Not everybody, not everybody has that office, but he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So it's a very high office, and I believe that Paul is a, we might say a capital A apostle, in the same sense that Peter was a capital A apostle, the highest spiritual office there. Now, before we get more into the spiritual sense of the word apostle, let's first think about it in the natural sense because I think that will help you understand a little bit better what apostle means. This just happened this past week, so I wasn't planning on this when I wrote these notes, but there's been many times where Brother Arnold has sent me out on a job, on a septic job, to perform a particular task. And he actually did this recently, so it works good for the illustration. And he might say something like this. He calls me up might say, Matthew, I want you to do this when you go out to this job. And he may tell me to uncover the septic tank or check the water meter for leaks in the house, check for any clogs. He may say, call me while you're out there on the job for an update. And I am his sent one in that regard. Now, that's not big A, capital A, Apostle. But if we're speaking Greek, that is small a apostle. I'm one that is sent, okay? Now, I did not go to the job site on my authority. I go on his authority and I go in his name. I told Brother Randy this past week while I was on a job that Brother Arnold sent me to, I looked at Brother Randy and I said, I have come here not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I got a laugh out of Brother Randy. Now, I want you to transfer that understanding in the natural to the spiritual because it is the same. The apostle, big A apostle, does not bring his own message. He brings the message of the one who sent him. The apostle doesn't come on his own authority. He comes on the authority of the one who sent him. The apostle speaks that which he has been told to speak. The apostle does that which he has been told to do. Now, this is important because right at the beginning of this letter we see that Paul is an apostle directly from Yeshua. So what message does he bring? He brings Yeshua's message. Paul does not come preaching his own thing. Paul does not even come because he wanted to come. Catch that. Paul did not want to come. He wanted to persecute the Messiah. 
Saul of Tarsus was not even looking for Yeshua when he was chosen on the road to Damascus. He had letters in his hand from the authorities that were confirmation that he was allowed to bind and imprison the believers in the man from Nazareth. Now, if Paul came preaching Yeshua's message because he was Yeshua's apostle, what message did Paul bring? Well, when we know the ministry of the Messiah, of Yeshua, we know that Yeshua's message was certainly pro-law and pro-grace. I don't think anybody in here would argue with that. So if Yeshua's message was pro-law and pro-grace, then what do you think His apostles' message would be? It would be the same. It would be pro-law and pro-grace. Why? Because the apostle only speaks that which he has been told to speak. See? Very important. That's a simple point. It's very important here at the beginning of the letter. So Paul tells the Galatians, I'm an apostle directly from the Messiah who was in turn commissioned by Yahweh who raised him from the dead. Why does Paul say who raised him from the dead here? We might think it's just part of the intro to the letter. I think there's a particular reason why Paul says this. And it's because Paul was sent by the resurrected Messiah. From heaven. See, the original 12 disciples' apostles were sent by Yeshua, but not the resurrected Yeshua, not the glorified Yeshua. Paul was sent by the resurrected Yeshua directly from heaven. And I think that's why Paul here says, and of Yahweh the Father, who raised him from the dead. So beginning a letter like this is a way of saying, everybody needs to listen up to what I'm writing. Because what I'm saying is not from me. It's through me. I'm the vehicle. I'm the messenger. I'm the sent one. I came not to write my own letter, but the letter of him who sent me. Then, after Paul says that, he balances it out with talking about the brethren. Now, this next point in verse 2, we'll read verse 2, is just as important as the point in verse 1. Look at verse 2. He says, And all the brethren who are with me to the churches or the congregations of Galatia. Now, I covered this in a previous message, not in detail, but to some extent. We covered some of the brethren who are with Paul, men like Barnabas, Joseph Barnaba, Shimeon, Lucius, and Manan. These men are mentioned in Acts 13, 1 through 3. They were brothers there, some of them teachers, some of them prophets in the assembly at Antioch of Syria. The word with, all the brothers who are with Paul, does not necessarily carry with it the idea that all these brothers are literally with Paul, although Barnabas was. Barnabas was literally with him. But that's not what the text means. That's what it says. That's not what it means. With here means they're with him in agreement. Not that they're with him necessarily physically, but they're with him in agreement. They backed him. They were on his side. They gave him their approval. Now, I believe that Paul brings up these brothers because Paul is balancing what he's just said in verse 1. He just proclaimed he was not sent from men nor through the agency of men, right? We believe that. The Bible says that. But the next verse he says, but all the brothers who are with me, this letter comes from them too. Paul is telling these messianic synagogues in Galatia. And remember, when it says churches in Galatia, it means messianic synagogues. There were no churches like there are today, back when Paul wrote (laughs) this letter. You didn't have Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian. You didn't have all of that back then. Okay, Paul was writing to the called out ones, the Messianic synagogues, not necessarily even that 
fellowshiped or worshipped in a building. They may have worshipped under an oak tree or at somebody's house. But it was a group of believers that believed in obedience to the commandments, but they also believed in the person of Yeshua the Messiah, that He was the one who was sent, that Yahweh raised from the dead, and it had to do with their forgiveness of sins. So the Messianic synagogues is who Paul is writing to. And Paul is saying when he mentions the brothers that he's not a lone ranger in his message. Sure, he wasn't sent from men nor through the agency of man, but he's not a lone ranger. He's been approved by the brothers. He's received the thumbs up from devout believers in Yeshua. These brothers have already received him as an apostle. See, when a man is chosen of the master to preach the word, the older seasoned brethren will not have to wonder if the calling is genuine. They will know it and they will testify to it. A man could believe in himself that he has been called to teach, to be an apostle or what have you. But if you have trusted elders in a congregation who don't think that that's the case, then that man is just running on his own accord. I would get very worried if I had men like Brother Arnold or Brother Jerry tell me, Brother Matthew, I just don't think that your position is to teach the Word. The reason it would worry me is because they're trusted elders in the congregation. And if I've truly been called to teach the Word, then older seasoned men in the faith will acknowledge that and testify to that. Or else I will run on my own accord in vain. I remember growing up in church, it was like every week somebody else got their calling to preach. I remember this one family, everybody in the family said they were called to preach. But you know what? There was no trusted seasoned elders that confirmed those callings that the people thought they had. Do you know why? Do you know why? And I say this gently. It's because a lot of people feel called to preach, but their calling is from or through men. And their calling is not from the Father or the Son. So, had these brothers not backed Paul, he would have gotten much less steam and possibly nowhere because there is an authority structure in place in the congregations. Anyone can claim to be called to preach. Anyone can claim to be an apostle. Paul even talks about in his days that there were false apostles. It's like you see it every time you turn around nowadays. Apostle Smith, Bishop Jones, men love the fancy titles, just like the scribes and Pharisees love to be called rabbi and teacher in Matthew 23. But claiming the office does not equal the office. If you ever believe that the Master has called you to do a work, never just run on your own accord. Go to the trusted saints and the older saints and ask for their counsel. Ask them if they see and sense and discern a calling upon your life. Because where you may think you need to operate in may not be where Yahweh wants you. We'll end today with verses 3 through 5, which say, Grace to you and peace from Yahweh our Father and the Master Yeshua the Messiah, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our Almighty and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. This is the end of Paul's greeting in this letter. And what a beautiful ending it is. Paul pronounces grace and peace upon the saints. Grace and peace are friends, brothers and sisters. They go together. If grace has been shown to you, then so has peace. You have peace because of grace. 
See, grace is when Yahweh gives you something good that you do not deserve. It's what the psalmist David said in Psalm 103 when he said, He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. He has not repaid us according to our offenses. Grace is when Yahweh gives you something good you do not deserve. Peace, peace, shalom, irene in Greek. Peace is what you have, a strong security when grace has been shown to you. Brothers and sisters, if grace has truly been shown to you, you have a strong security that you have been delivered by Father Yahweh through His Son. Somebody can tell you that you're not saved. Somebody can say all men are evil against you falsely, but you still remain in that shalom. You still remain in that peace. Why? Because you know what Yahweh has accomplished in your life. Paul says, Grace and peace be unto you. And this grace and peace comes from Yahweh our Father and the Master, Yeshua the Messiah. Paul always, in his epistles, he always acknowledges the Father and the Son. And Paul now sees, since he's been converted, he sees something he did not see before. He sees now that the Father has a unique Son and that he cannot receive the Father apart from receiving the Son. He realizes you can't have one without the other. You can't really believe in the Father unless you believe in the one whom the Father sent. In other words, Yeshua is Yahweh's apostle. Now, I told this to a sister not long ago. I was in casual conversation. I referenced that I was a servant of Apostle Yeshua. Now, I know that's not a common speech, but did you know that the Bible says, mark it down, make a note, Hebrews 3 verse 1, speaks of Yeshua as being the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now, who's he the apostle of? Well, there's only one option here. He's the apostle of Yahweh the Father. Yahweh the Father sent him. And he is the means through which your sins and my sins and anyone's sins are forgiven. Paul says that Yeshua gave himself for our sins that He might rescue us from this present evil age. Now there's a statement that Paul makes that has application across the board. Yes, Paul is writing to the assemblies, the synagogues there in Galatia. But Paul's statement here in verse 4 is one that would apply to any Messianic believer then and now. That Yeshua gave Himself for, for my sins and for your sins that He might rescue us believers from this present evil age. That applies to all of us. And what a beautiful truth. What a beautiful truth that is. See, the reason our sins are forgiven and forgotten, the reason we have peace with the Almighty, and do you know that's what really the essence of the gospel is? The gospel, I've preached it many times, does mean the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah. But what that concludes in is that we now are in a peaceful relationship with Yahweh the Father. We have peace with Yahweh because of what Yeshua, His Son, did for us. He gave Himself for our sins in order to rescue us, in order to deliver us from this present evil age. Oh, brothers and sisters, listen. That's the biggest blessing you could ever receive. I hear people talk about, well, I want to be blessed by God. I want the blessings of the Lord to overtake me. And you know, I believe in the blessings of the Lord. I believe in all of that. But let me remind you, that if you are in the Messiah, you cannot get any bigger blessing 
than being a joint heir with the Son of Yahweh. They, the blessings don't get any bigger than that. <laughs> because everything that He inherits, you will inherit. Why? Because you're in union and you are attached to the Messiah. And now the Father looks at you as, as His Son, not because of how good you are or have been, but because now you're in union with Yeshua. So there's no bigger blessing. And i got goosebumps when I'm saying this. No bigger blessing. Oh, I wish the Lord would bless me. Listen, He's already blessed you. Tonight, before you go to bed, say, Thank you that I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm a joint heir with the Messiah. Hallelujah. Now, what does it mean that He might deliver us or rescue us from this present evil age? Because we're still in this present evil age today. It means the state of the world and the earth. Unregenerate men are still as wicked as ever. Turn your television on. You're going to see them. They're a dime a dozen. Sin is still rampant as ever. Unrighteousness abounds in people's hearts. And we are still under the curse of the fall of Adam. And the result of that curse, which is the first death. But, if you are a believer in Yahweh the Father and the Master Yeshua the Messiah, your sins have been forgiven and you have the hope of being delivered from all of this mess. Galatians 1 verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from this present evil age. And here is where it gets even better. In one sense, you've already been rescued and delivered from this present evil age because he has taken you out of the swamp of sin. If you're a believer, he's taken you out of the swamp of sin. He has lifted you up out of the miry clay he has set your feet upon the rock. He has established your goings. And it is because of the work of the Messiah that you have been set free from your past, set free from sin, and you have a new way of life, and you have a new way of thinking. Now, that only makes sense to people who have been born from above. If I can say that to an unregenerate man that is not saved, has not been saved from his sins, that will not make any sense but you discern what I'm talking about today if you have been born from above because you know that you have been rescued in one sense already from this present evil age. You don't think like unregenerate men. You don't live like unregenerate men. You have been delivered out of all that mess in one sense now. It's a now and not yet thing. We've experienced some now. We're going to experience the fullness of it later. Yes, we still live in this present evil age, but we're not part of it. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We have been delivered. That's why you're sitting here today. Do you realize something? Brothers and sisters, if you're sitting here today in this holy convocation, do you know that it's because Yahweh placed you here? You're here because of His grace and His mercy. You're here listening to this message instead of being somewhere else, dabbling in sin and lawlessness. Because Yahweh placed you here sovereignly with His hand. Even though there are people that sit in meetings like this that may be unregenerate, they're still blessed to be here to listen to the message of the good news because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message about Christ. How can they hear without a preacher? How can he preach lest he be sent? So even the unregenerate are blessed if they sit in the Holy Convocation. And hear the message of the good news that you can have peace with the Heavenly Father because Yeshua gave Himself for our sins. I could quote that right now for the rest of the sermon another 20 times and it would make me excited each time that I quoted it. But we will move on instead.
Lest we forget the end of verse 4 and then verse 5, this was done, Paul says, according to the will of our Almighty and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Everything, listen to this, everything that Yeshua the Son accomplished was only because the will of our Almighty and Father. The Father willed it to be accomplished. It is the Father who works all things after the counsel of His will. It is the Father who predestines us and calls us to be conformed to the image of His Son. It is the Father who is in control of everything. Let's give the Father some glory today. When Yeshua said in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it be possible, as He prayed to His Father, He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That yours, that's talking about the Father's will. His will is paramount. His will is ultimate. As I mentioned in my last sermon, Yeshua is the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth. Revelation 13 verse 8. But that doesn't mean, that's what it says, but that doesn't mean that He was hanging on the tree beside the Father in eternity past. Somebody may just pick up a Bible, read that, and think maybe that's what it means because they're not studied yet. They're not seasoned yet. But that's not what it means. It means that according to the will and the plan of our Almighty and Father, as Paul says here in verse 4, Yeshua was already predestined to be slain for our sins. That's why John, the revelator, can say he was slain before the foundations of the earth. Not physically, not literally, but according to the predestined plan and will of our Almighty and Father. Because when Yahweh wills something, you can't stop it. He is a mighty one of complete control. If Yahweh wants something to happen, it's going to happen. Or else, if that's not the case, somebody else has to be sovereign. But we know that's not biblical. Yahweh is sovereign. Yahweh the Father is sovereign. So give Yahweh some glory today. As I was putting this message together, I stopped mid-preparation and I just lifted my hands up to the Heavenly Father and I said, Father, I'm giving you some glory because everything was according to your will and you accomplished it by your sovereign power. You work all things after the counsel of your will. We raise our hands as an evening sacrifice to our Almighty and Father. Because Yeshua the Son came, He lived according to the Torah, He died a substitute sacrificial death for all those who placed their faith in Him. And He was resurrected victoriously because the Father willed it. It was accomplished. It was the Father's doing. The Almighty loved the world in this way. The death of Yeshua. A lot of times we look at the death of Yeshua on the cross and we we consider how much the Messiah loved us. And I'm not saying that the Messiah didn't love us. But the cross or the torture stake is actually a demonstration of the Father's love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It was our loving Father that made all of that possible. So don't forget the Father. What a beautiful way to begin this letter. Paul starts with a statement about the forgiveness from sin. He begins with what the Messiah did for us and how it was according to the will of our Almighty and our Father. Brothers and sisters, that makes me rejoice. And I would like to think that it made the Galatians rejoice before he tears into them in verses 6 through 10. It's a beautiful way to start a letter. 
Paul starts with a statement about the forgiveness from sin. He begins with what Yeshua the Messiah did for us and how it was willed by Yahweh our Father. It makes me rejoice. I don't ever want to forget what my Master has done for me. I don't ever want to downplay or make secondary what the Father willed to happen on my behalf. It truly, it truly is, brothers and sisters, it truly is only by the grace and the mercy of Yahweh that any of us are anything. Only by His grace. Any obedience we perform is only by His grace. He's allowed us. He's placed the desire in us. He's caused us to do that but by the desire He's put in us. So I stand before you here today as a forgiven man. But I'm not forgiven because Matthew's such a good man. I'm not. I'm not a good man. There is none good, no, not one. I'm here because I have a good father. And my good father predestined for his spotless lamb to come and do it for me because I could not do it. Galatians 2.21, we'll get to it eventually. For if righteousness comes by the law, then the Messiah died needlessly or died in vain. He died to forgive me for my sins because my sins, like the woman that washed his feet, my sins too were many. If we can all grasp a hold of that, if we can all realize that we all have been forgiven much, I think some people don't think that they have, but if we can realize we've all been forgiven much, the love will flow out of us for the Messiah and for, for Yahweh. It will flow out of us even more because whoever is forgiven much, he loves much. And we've got to, we've got to remember that. So don't, don't look to Brother Matthew. Don't look to any man. Look to the Messiah and recognize it was willed and accomplished by the Father in heaven. So I'm alive. I'm rescued. I'm forgiven. I'm at grace and peace because of the will of my good, good Father. Not because of Matthew's will, because of the will of my Father. And for that, I'm very, very excited and very thankful. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, Yahweh, that we would remember the highlights that we've been through today. That it would be precious to us. I pray it would not just be a book. That we, it would not become mundane. But that the words that we've talked about today would truly be help to our navel and marrow to our bones. Thank you for your forgiveness and your love, Father. Thank you for your Son. Hallelujah. Amen.